welcome back. It is Monday. I hope you had a wonderful weekend. Uh, I know I did. I hope you had a wonderful start to your work week today. Everything went nice and smoothly for me. So I thought I would pop in tonight. Uh, Monday motivation, right? Monday motivation. Who's not motivated on a Monday, right? Everybody wakes up motivated on a Monday. I mean, you know, you can you got to wake up motivated on a Monday just to be like, I get to see another day. You know, as Trish likes to say, another day above ground. Hey, Karen, glad to see you. I saw the caramel that you did earlier. Uh, I really enjoyed that. Hey, Sister Bogan, glad to see you. Hey, Sister Stephanie, I see everybody coming in. So tonight, I want to talk about something that's it, it, it's really consuming a lot of people. But the thing about it is it's unspoken. So as I was going through putting this together and just really thinking about this over the last few days, I decided to title this Silent Erosion because that's what it's like. Have you ever been out hiking or maybe been on like a vacation, you know, seeing the Grand Canyon or, you know, just through a regular park and you come across rocks and you can tell that the rocks have eroded, right? We don't hear it. You know, the water, you know, either water, sediment, you know, just time breaking down that rock is silently eroding just because we don't hear it. You know, and we're not physically, you know, able to sit there and stare at this rock at what's taking place at it is slowly eroding, right? Slowly going away. The same way if we have, if you have a leak, um, you know, in a sink, in like a white porcelain sink, and it continues to drip, drip, drip. Then you're going to end up going to get some lime calcium remover to remove that brown stain that starts to form from that water constantly dripping, just, you know, steadily going over and over. And, and one of the things, um, again, as I was putting this together that I realized is that it's real, it seems even more prevalent. In this day and age, silent erosions, people just existing, you know, just trying to get through minute by minute, hour by hour, day by day. It's like, and you look up, you know, I remember saying, man, okay, January 1st, I was all excited. I got my book out and published. Now I'm looking saying, wow, it's almost the end of December. This year has gone by, right? And so imagine sitting day after day trying to figure how do I deal with these emotions I want to live but I'm I'm just stuck I'm like that rock that's just stuck there that water has nowhere else to go and just slowly eroding it away right slowly breaking it down decomposing it and that's the way a lot of people are stuck in this day and age with everything that's going on those of you if it's your first time joining me welcome those of you that have been with me before you know my story um, um, and, and, and when I sit and, and I put into years, cause I had to put together an outline. Cause I always say, you know, um, me being molested, starting from six and a half all the way up to 16 and a half and then raped at age 17, right? Then spending another 20 years in the homosexual lifestyle, you know, living and looking as a man, right? Looking at all of the time. Um, where I was silently eroding away. So that's what I wanted to come in and talk about tonight. For those of you that may be going through something, Oh, it's skipping over there. All right. Hey, you knew where to come, Sister Bogan. You knew where to pop over at, right? So with that, 
Let's hop into it here. And, and you know, I always like to back up everything with a scriptural context. I'm going to bring this out of Philippians 4 and 8. For those of you that are familiar with it, you may say, oh, I know where she's going. Those of you that's not, you know, grab your Bible. Hopefully you have a, a good book Bible. I like a book Bible. These phone things and going through, that's okay, you know, in a quick pinch, you know, when I might need to pull up something, but to sit down and really study the word, give me a paper. Paper Bible any day, any day of the week. I got to have it and I keep them all over the place, right? So let's look at this here Philippians 4 and 8, right? And before I read that passage of scripture, let me point out silent erosion shows itself in secondary emotions. And you may say, well, Torah, what do you mean? Let me tell you, silent erosion, when we're holding things of the past in, when we're holding in the hurt that we haven't dealt with, when we're holding in uh, any type of emotional stress that we're under, it may be grieving. You know, whatever it is, it always shows itself as a secondary emotion, right? There's always a root that it's branching off of. So it may come out as anger. It may come out as shame. When you're really you know, somebody walks up to you and says, hey, uh, you know, how you doing? You know, nice to me. I, I got enough friends. I, I don't need to make any new friends, you know, it, 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 but inside you're really saying, man, I really would love to have some friends. I don't want to live like this. I don't want to be like this, but because of not dealing with that healing. Hey, water's glad to see you. I didn't forget to call you. I really didn't. Um, because of not dealing with those emotions as we should, it expresses itself. It rears its ugly head as a secondary emotion. It may come out as anger, shame, depression, fear, seclusion. You know, we just, we find ourselves hibernating, you know, wanting to be away from the world, but inside you're like, I really want to get out. You're I, I, I want to get out. I want to be around people, but I just feel like I'm stuck. I'm sitting here silently eroding. And then the next thing, if it's a celebrity, you know, there's so many people, uh, I don't have the exact stats, but if you look at the suicide rate, how it's slowly elevating itself, these people are sitting in silent erosion. They feel they don't have a voice. They, they want to come out. They don't want to be trapped like that. They don't want to be caught up in that, but those secondary emotions, those secondary thought processes take over. It comes out as frustration, anxiety, and then we know from these secondary emotions, another branch stems off of those. Sometimes we try and comfort the depression or the grief with alcohol, you know, cigarettes, you know, marijuana, and then once that's not helping anymore, well, we try mollies and cocaine. You know, we hear these stories. You know, it may even be your story, right? It may be someone that you're working closely with saying, I know you can come out of this and trying to help them, right? If they, if from not dealing with the first root of it, then the secondary emotion, so then they try and replace it, right? That frustration. They say, well, let me just go take it out on a, per uh, a person, right? You can become promiscuous just after just putting yourself out there to any and everybody, sharing yourself, right? Just all over the place. So many different things can stem 
from silent erosion. But if we look at Philippians 4 and 8, it, it gives us a pattern. I always say for anything that we're trying to figure out how to deal with it, how to cope with it, the word of God gives us an outline. When you sit and you say, I just don't know what to do. Well, Torah, how do I replace my thoughts? How do I rethink these things? How do I, 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 how do I change my thought patterns, right? Philippians 4 and 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. I will not sit and meditate and allow myself to wallow in the shame, blame, and guilt of the past. I find it praiseworthy that I'm here to tell my testimony, that I'm here to share my story of deliverance from 20 years of homosexuality with someone else that may be going through that same thing. Someone else that may have a family member in it that they've given up on and saying they will never come out of this. They will never be able to break free from that. You know, being able to tell my story to those people that can't speak out, they're holding in, uh, you know, what happened to them being raped or molested. They haven't spoken it to a soul, right? Because we know the enemy wants to keep us in seclusion, right? He wants us consumed in isolation right? Because what's the first thoughts that pop in when you do come up with that courage to speak out and start telling your story, to start sharing with others, right? What's one of the first thing that pops up? Uh-uh. They're all going to laugh at you. Hey, Mama Moses, so glad to see you, love. They're all going to laugh about you. Just wait till people find out about this. Uh, you know what? You're probably the only one this has ever happened to. You're going to sound stupid if you speak up, you know? The enemy starts putting these things inside of us because that helps to keep us in isolation. It helps to keep us in his box of seclusion, right? And, and, and it's just those thoughts, they keep coming, right? You better not tell anyone. You can't say anything about this. Imagine the shame if this got out. Imagine the embarrassment if this got out. But that's the way the enemy wants us to think. He wants us to remain in silent seclusion, silently eroding away. And you're smiling at people, but on the inside, you can just feel the rocks crumbling because so much weight is on you from the grief, from everything that you're trying to bear. But the one thing, there's always someone else out there that's going through the same thing. And as I've said before, and I will continue to say it, your story, you speaking out may be the key that unlocks the door to the prison that someone else is locked in. They may feel like there's nobody else, that it's only them. You know, uh, I, I was speaking to a uh, young lady and she was telling me how everyone seems so joyful. And I said, baby, I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you that is not the case, right? They choose to smile. They choose to find joy in the pain. They choose to find joy instead of wallowing in the grief. They choose that option as opposed to allowing themselves to be stuck 
in seclusion, right? Amen. That's the way that we have to think about it. And so, and if we look at Philippians 4 and 8, it's laid out there for us, right? My reprogramming the mind as I talk about, hey, Mel Mel, going in, eight things to start retraining your thought pattern, your heart pattern, right? When you start thinking about everything that you've been through, when the weight of the shame, the blame, the guilt, the fear, the anxiety, whatever emotion you're experiencing, Philippians 4 and 8 is an all-encompassing scripture. Whatever things are true, if you think about things that are honest, genuine, authentic, sincere, faithful, truthful, accurate things, right? When the enemy's telling you, you're the only one, people are going to laugh at you, nobody wants to hear what you have to say, you know that is untrue, right? Then by redirecting yourself in accordance with Philippians 4 and 8, speaking and thinking whatever things are true. When we think along that thought pattern, then we won't be saying things and allowing the enemy to penetrate our minds with things that are false, that are incorrect, things that are erroneous. How do I know it's erroneous? Because the scripture says so. It's all throughout the mighty 66. Y'all know that's what I call it, right? The next portion of it, whatever things things are noble. Thinking about whatever things are noble. If you think about what is admirable, right? Think of things that are of high quality, excellent, you know, just, uh, just superior, honorable things, right? Then you won't be saying things um, that at the base, at the root, at the core of it, that things that are petty, things that are mean. You won't allow the enemy to penetrate and turn your thoughts. You know, you're already at a vulnerable point. And then the enemy coming in and taking your noble thoughts, turning them to petty, mean, dishonorable, and low-minded thoughts, right? Because there, that's the spot where he wants you to keep you consumed in isolation, isolation from others, and also that mental isolation box, amen? The next thing, whatever things are just, if you think about what's fair, reasonable, you, and people say, well, may say, well, Tor, how can you say you know that what you went through, the rape was fair, the molestation was fair. No, no, no. The act itself was not fair. But what is fair is my God. My God is a mighty God. He's a God of a just hand. That is in his hand now. I'm to go on and glorify his name with what he brought me out of. That's the part that is fair. He's a gracious God. He's a fair God. That's the way that you have to look at it. That's the way that you have to kick the enemy aside and re- program your thought patterns, right? Thinking, whatever things are pure, as the scripture tells us, right? If you think about what is clean, clear, spotless, you know, just undefiled, untainted with evil, then our minds can't become consumed with those things. The fifth one, whatever things are lovely. Instead of looking back in the past and saying, oh my God, hey, Pastor Monique, glad to see you. Well, this, you know, they told me not to say anything. I felt like I didn't have anybody. You know, I, I just felt so lost. I didn't know how to help. I didn't, you know, what to do. Instead of wallowing in that, look back and think about those things that are lovely, the lovely things that Father God did to bring you forward to this point and then say, mm, how can I glorify his name? How can I show the wonders that he's done in my life and speak of the things as his word tells me to do? Speak and think things that are lovely, right? What the devil meant for evil, God turned it and brought it, brought good from it. Exactly. Speaking of the good, you know, uh, uh, reflecting back, yes, 
um, speaking of what I went through, I will always have to reach back and pull on that part. But it's not something I dwell on. I pull on it to show God's glory, to show God's grace, right? To go through and be like, look what God did. He not only brought me home from a college campus that I could have been buried in the backwoods of Mississippi, never ever to be seen again, but I made it home to tell, to be able to sit here in front of you, you know, and from all of that, going into that lifestyle, as I say, 20 years of homosexuality, but God's saying, it's time to come up out of that, baby. I need you to go out and speak. I need you to live and walk in the purpose that I designed for you, and this, my child, is not that purpose, and being able to sit here and say, God delivered. He can do it. He can bring you out of it, right? Not looking back and saying, oh, yeah, this is, you know, the sin and Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh yes. And you know, I was raped and abused and bullied. No, no, no. Think about the things that are lovely. Relate that to God's grace. What he has brought you out of the sixth one, whatever things are of good report. If you think about what is admirable, worthwhile, right? Recommended in the word, things that are worthy of repeating, then we won't get caught in that cycle of negative, discouraging, undesirable, you know, always seeking those people that don't ever have anything good to uplift us with. We're reaching out to them because we know that they can tell us everybody's business. They can tell us what's going on in Miss Perlis' house. They can tell us what's going on over Miss Marge's house. They can tell us which deacon is sleeping with which mother on the motherboard. They can just consume us with so much stuff that is unworthy of being discussed. So much stuff that we become consumed with that instead of dealing with our own silent erosion. We, we allow ourselves to get caught up in that. When the scripture tells us whatever things are of good rapport, stay away from the discouraging, stay away from the undesirable. I'm in one group that's related to sexual abuse because I cannot deal with it. It's like a, a pool of just pity and wallow. Yes, it happened. Yes, it's a hurtful thing. Yes, I will never forget what happened to me, but I will not allow it to control me. I And, and I sit and, and in the groups when you try and speak encouraging words, oh, that's not I'm telling you, it's almost like the people that should be a unit, people that should be cohesive come after you for trying to uplift them as someone that's been through it. So you have to be careful in those environments, right? You want to be around positive people that are saying, okay, yes, I've been through it, but how do I move forward, right? People that are looking at things of good rapport. The next one, whatever things are virtuous. If you think about what is moral, ethical, upright, excellent, good, things that just impress you, the way that God moves, that you like, did you see the hand of God move? It's like he just took his, and you just trying, you like tell people, I don't know how to explain this to you, but God did it. I saw it was like his, his hand just came through and just like a might just, you know, just moved it. That's how it happened, right? You, you just get so excited, you know, to, and, and people looking at you like, what you trying to say, child? Just, and you're like, you ain't going to, I don't know how to tell you, but God did it. Just believe it. 
me. God did it, right? You just so impressed with it. Amen. You know what I'm talking about, Marilyn. Y'all make sure you follow Marilyn. You talking about somebody to get excited about the word. She knows because she does the same thing that I do. Not everyone wants to be delivered. Some rather continue to be the victim, right? The, uh, wallowing in that and just going through it. And you just have to say, my God, I'm going to pray on this situation. But like I said, I'm only in one group that's related to it because all of the others that I spent time in and tried to interact in, it was just such a venomous, negative, you know, just self pity environment, you know, till I could not, I could not do it. Mm -mm. I had to come up out of there and I, I pray for those sisters and brothers in there. Yeah, I had to come out of that. And whatever things, hey, Sister Regina, lastly, whatever things are praiseworthy. If you think about what is admirable, commendable, right? All of this is right in Philippians 4 and 8. I love that scripture because it's all encompassed. And when you're saying, I don't know how to think. My mind is so mixed up. You know, like I always say, when you ain't sure what to pray, pray the word. Get the word and pray his word back because we know that does not return void, right? Pray the word back the same way when you're not sure how to train your thoughts, when you're not sure what to say, right? When you're not sure what to do, Philippians 4 and 8 is all encompassing for you. Whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy. Meditate on these things. That's what you put on your post-it notes, right? That's what you make you a t-shirt as a reminder. That's what you make you a bracelet when you look down and say, okay, okay, I am worthy. I am God's child. I am blessed. I'm not all of those things that my big mama and my daddy and everybody else told me that I was unworthy. I was worthless. I'm not all of those things that those men in the street called me. I'm not all of those things that the people on my job call me. How do I know that? Because the scripture tells me so. My God tells me so. I am saved by his grace, right? He loves me. I am not any of those things that people say. Mm -mm, I'm just not. I refuse to believe it, right? And there's another one of my favorite scriptures. You may be some of those things. You may be. You, you know what? Let me find it here. Uh, you, you may be some of those things. What's the one scripture that, uh, that I taught on not too long ago uh, where they said, uh, you know, the liars, the idolaters, uh, the sexual, uh, the sexual immoral, what's my scripture male? They will not inherit the kingdom of, uh, of heaven. Right. But we used to be, they don't bump on down to that next passage of scripture. And I'm telling you, I, I was watching a pastor earlier and he pulled out that scripture. He whipped it out like the old Western days. He was like, boom. And I said, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to see if he's going to go ahead and collect in the next verse of that scripture because I need him to. And if he doesn't, I'm going to send him an email because that is a problem. That is a problem. You need to connect both of those scriptures because the scripture says, yes, you may have been those things. And I was quite a few of the things in that list. But if we go on to read that passage of scripture, it says you used to be. But because of God's love, but because of God's grace, uh-uh, you are no longer that, right? You once were. What's my scripture, Regina? I thought I had it marked here. I went through and pulled out all of my paper clips 
And I don't know what the world I did that for earlier for my handy dandy scripture. Uh, I'm going to have to find it, right? But when I post this over onto the podcast and YouTube, I'll make sure to get all the scriptures underlined. But remembering you once were, yeah, you may have been that. You may have been a prostitute. You may have been a drug dealer. You may have been an alcoholic, right? You may have been a lot of things. You may have been sexually immoral, but once were is the important part to remember. Then you take your little self over, as my grandma said, you march your little self right on over to Philippians 4 and 8 and start thinking on the noble things that that, that are in your life. Now, right, 1 Corinthians 6 and 11, that's it. 1 Corinthians 6 and 11. Thank you, Sister Regina. That's what you do. Start thinking whatever things are virtuous. And when people try and start, you know, uh, uh, put molding you back into that old way, uh-uh, just break it off, right? Just break it uh-uh. That was then. That was then. Let me find my scripture here. Thank you, Sister Regina. I don't know why I pulled all of my paper clips out of this Bible. I knew better. I don't know what I was thinking. Why well, I pulled that out? Uh huh. There it is. That there it is right there. First Corinthians six. Do you know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not deceive neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But then... You bring that up, and where's the hope verse? The hope verse sits right in 1 Corinthians 6 and 11. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Amen, amen. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Those things that are noble, those things that are praiseworthy to me, that is praiseworthy right there. And such were some of you. So when people try and come at you with that, when they try and silence you, when they try and shut down your joy meter, when they try and tell you to be quiet, when they try and tell you nobody wants to hear your testimony, when they try and tell you that nobody wants to hear your story, as I said in the last broadcast, when you have Having an Old Testament problem, you get you a New Testament uh, solution, and that's what you tell them. Mm -mm. And such were some of you. Therefore, yes, I may have been that. You stuck there. I've moved on. Do you want to come with me? If you do, let me tell you about my God. Let me tell you how he's delivered me from fornication. Let me tell you how he's delivered me from extorting and stealing and robbing and everything else that I was doing. Now, I ain't do none of that. I might have did a lot of other things, but I ain't do none of that. You know, I, no. <laughs> but, you know, just the same. Deliverance, deliverance. And as Mel always says, sin is sin. If the sign says 50, and you going 75, that is breaking the law. That is a sin because what does it say? Abide by the laws of the land. So you can't look down your nose at that person when you look at CNN and they've killed up half a community and said, mm, they going straight to hell. Well, guess what? According to the scripture, you may be headed there with them also. Mm-hmm. I'm just here to tell you, <laughs> that's not how any of this works. One sin does not outweigh the other. It's all in one bowl. Sin is sin. But thank God, 
Thank God the scripture tells us, and such were some of you. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. Mm, mm, mm. Ooh, mm, mm. Lord, I love the Lord. Y'all just don't understand. Y'all just don't understand. He that knoweth to do right and doeth not to him, it is sin. Come on, Regina. He that knoweth not. Uh, let me pull that back. Oh, I forgot I can't do it. Okay. He that knoweth to do right and doeth not to him is sin. So when you know, you like, I know this ain't right. You know what? This company make a whole lot of money. You know what? They're not going to miss this pack of erasers. They're not going to miss this pack of printer paper. I'm going to sit and print out 15 PDF books and take them home with me. Mm -mm, you know that ain't right. Sin is sin. It ain't no different. You still in office supplies? Uh, you still going in the doctor's office and loading up with the stuff that's in? Come on now, don't be playing. I'm taking. Oh, they ain't gonna notice this stuff. I need these gloves when I go home and I make my uh, you know, make my meatloaf. This doctor's office, they making enough money. Stealing is stealing. It don't matter whether it comes from high or whether it comes from low. No matter what you doing, if you know it's wrong, but you continue to do it is still sin and the lord is looking at you like mm, mm, mm. look at you look at you and then you go home and get your bible and you say lord lord <laughs> y'all know what i'm talking about you know what i'm talking about right i love y'all i really do and i had to pop in with this silent erosion silent erosion and remember it always shows itself in a secondary emotion. When those secondary emotions start to show themselves, pull out Philippians 4 and 8. Then you can pull out 1 Corinthians 6. And I like 9 through 11. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 11. And say, mm -mm, God got this. I got this. I'm going to retrain my thoughts. Put those positive things. Put those things that are worthy. Do not sit and let the enemy keep your mind held captive any longer. You have a charge over your life. You have work to do. It may be sitting somebody just sitting in a corner rocking, just waiting on somebody to speak out about that thing that you've been holding in. You've been holding in. You know, they just don't, they almost got their footing. Their eyes, they call it, they almost have their sea legs, you know. But when you speak out about it, it may be that key that unlocks the door for them. And again, as I say, right, keep pressing, keep pressing, keep moving forward. Love you, mom. Mama Moses, um, speak out about it. And oftentimes, you know, as, as the, you know, the lady was telling me, but everybody just always seems so happy. Mm -mm, I choose joy. There are many days when I'm sitting in reflection, you know, and just saying, man, I went through this. I went through this. I went through this and it can get me down for a second, but guarantee you, I hit that thing. Like it's a Bugatti broom, broom, zero to 60 in less then three seconds. Mm -hmm. That's how I do it. I can't stay down there and wallow, you know, because the longer you stay, the more he'll get you down. So put that thing in Bugatti Overdrive and pull yourself right on up out of it and speak out, right? You never know who it may help. Somebody is waiting to hear your testimony. Somebody is waiting to hear your story. Undercover erosion. They may be sitting there saying, hmm, man, I want to talk about this, you know? They stuck under that carousel 
syndrome. They're all going to laugh at you. Mm -mm. The only person that's laughing is the enemy because he's winning. He's keeping you in silent seclusion. All right. I love y'all. I got to pop out of here. Um, I don't know. I should be. What's tomorrow? Tuesday. I should be on tomorrow. Um, yeah, I have something really exciting going on tomorrow. So if it goes through, I'll tell. I'll come on and tell y'all all about it after it is done, right? I love you guys. As I always say, walk good, do good, be good. Tornado, I'm out of here. You all know the Torah. 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 Torah.